Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. We love to brag about our culinary landscape here in the Bay Area. We've got everything that foodies need, from street tacos to $400 tasting menus. But this past summer, the Bay Area took it one step further, staking its claim in a new kind of culinary venture. It's one that's colliding with other focuses that define the region, tech innovation, and environmental responsibility. How would you feel about eating meat that was grown in a lab? While it sounds like some kind of wild science experiment, this meat is real, and it has some serious goals. Fifth Emission producer Keith Manconi has been digging into how this food technology is hoping to change our relationships to the planet while testing his own palate. His reporting gave him a seat at one of San Francisco's most exclusive restaurants. Here's a report from Keith Manconi. It's dinner time at Bar Cren, a fine dining establishment in San Francisco's affluent Cow Hollow neighborhood. It's led by celebrity chef Dominique Cren, who has three Michelin stars to her name. Hello, how are you? Hello, chef. Hello, everybody. How are you? It's the kind of place where when it says crackers on the menu, you're going to get crackers topped with scallop mousse, caviar, and gold leaf. They weren't bad, but I'm not here for fancy crackers. Thank you, chef. All right, so as I said, the moment we've all been waiting for. This is the moment, that is, when the main course in this six-part meal is ready to be served. It's a chicken dish presented by the chef who prepared it. We have taken it, battered it in a uh, tempura made of ricotta negro, it's a popular chili paste from the Yucatan. But underneath that enticing preparation, the real star of this show is the chicken itself. That's because this is not your normal cut of chicken. It never hatched out of an egg. It never breathed a single breath. In fact, none of the meat on this tray was ever a chicken at all. Instead, it was grown cell by cell in a vat in Emeryville. You've probably heard about plant-based meat substitutes like the Impossible Burger, but this is a new kind of alternative meat. It's sometimes called lab-grown meat, or sometimes cultured meat. The industry prefers the term cultivated meat. Whatever you call it, this tasting is one of the first of its kind. In June, two Bay Area food tech companies got the final stamp of approval from regulators, clearing the way for them to become the first in the country to sell lab-grown chicken. But this stuff is still very hard to come by. It's not available in stores, and Bar Cren is one of only two restaurants nationwide where you can find it on the menu. Seats at this tasting are extremely limited and expensive, running at $150. The Chronicle managed to get two of them. Are you excited? Yeah, we're, we're a part of history. 
That's one seat for me, and one for Chronicle columnist and former restaurant critic, Soleil Ho. Both of us are eagerly awaiting our chance to dig into this edible science experiment. What are you hoping to find out? If it tastes like chicken, which I think it does, I'm sure it will. Beyond the taste, these unassuming bits of chicken come with some lofty hopes. The companies developing cultured meats say that they'll cut down on animal cruelty and reduce the meat industry's massive environmental impact. It is a grand vision. And cards on the table here. I am probably the exact demographic these companies are hoping to win over. You could call me a conflicted carnivore. That is, someone who does eat meat, who enjoys eating meat, but does not feel good about eating meat. So if this high-tech chicken does indeed taste like chicken, well, I'd buy it. James Beard award-winning critic Soleil Ho, on the other hand, is casting a much more skeptical eye on our dinner. One thing that's interesting is that these CEOs are promising a magical experience. They use that phrase a lot. And so I want to know. Still, Soleil says, I'm ready to be seduced, I guess, by this magical chicken. Today on Fifth and Mission, after years of expensive R&D, lab-grown chicken is finally ready for sale. But big questions remain about whether the new meat will live up to its environmental promise and whether or not consumers will actually bite. The stakes are very, very high. They have been pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into this industry. Then there's also the question of how it tastes. It has a bit, like, there's a toughness to it. It's on that end of the spectrum. First up, though, let's start with the lab-grown meat basics. What exactly is this stuff, anyway? It is what it sounds like. It is real meat, but it's grown in a lab or a facility. That's Janelle Bitker, who heads up the Chronicle's food and wine department. She's been reporting on the burgeoning cultivated meat industry for a few years now. It's an industry that has a major presence here in the Bay Area. I think it's a natural hub, given Silicon Valley, all the tech and innovation here, that people would start looking toward food and meat as the next thing. The company that made the chicken served at Bar Cren is called Upside Foods, and it operates in the East Bay. Upside's big facility in Emeryville is currently capable of producing 50,000 pounds of cultivated meat per year, but it could expand to 400,000. Then there's the company Good Meat in Alameda, which was also recently approved to sell its cultured chicken. Those two companies are the furthest along, but a handful of others are also located here. If you go to one of these places, it'll kind of look like a brewery with these huge steel tanks known as bioreactors. And in them, people will put cells from a live animal. They harvest these cells. The animal doesn't have to die. And then they'll feed the cells a bunch of nutrients and the cells will grow and grow. And then they'll kind of come out as ground meat. So it's basically growing animal cells in a vat. Yes, exactly. But the chicken that's being served at Barkren is not just ground meat. You know, it has that stringy chicken texture. How do they do that? 
So some companies are stopping there and just creating this ground meat product, but others are going one step further and they're adding this scaffolding. And that's much more complicated, much harder to do. But that's how you would get like a cut of meat, like a steak or a chicken breast. So that's what would give it the sense of having meat fibers. Muscles, a bite, anything that's not like a nugget. Now that lab-grown chicken has made it to market, the industry hopes to develop other varieties of meat as well, like beef, tuna, and salmon. It's an effort that's already brought in billions of dollars of investment. A lot of that excitement driven by the environmental promise of lab-grown meat. So let's back up for a second and explain why that is. Of course, the traditional meat industry is a major polluter. And the biggest offenders of all? Well, it's cows. (laughs) It's cows belching and cows farting, really. Cows are responsible for 15% of greenhouse gases. So other companies like Impossible Meat, for example, which makes those really beefy plant-based burgers, they focused on beef also because the idea is if we eliminate or greatly decrease cattle production, that would be a huge step in reducing greenhouse gas emissions. And why would cells in a vat have less of an environmental impact than growing a cow the old-fashioned way? Well, cows require a lot of land and a lot of water. And if you want like a steak, it takes about two years to grow a cow. But you could, in theory, grow a nice cut of steak in a vat in two to eight weeks. So you could, in theory, produce a lot more meat in a lot less time. And with potentially fewer resources. Potentially fewer resources. A heavy emphasis on the word potentially right there. There are still a lot of challenges to making that theory match up with reality. And we'll take a closer look at some of them a little bit later on. For now, the immediate concern is introducing lab-grown meat to consumers. For Upside Foods, the company behind the lab-grown chicken being served at Bar Kren, this could very well be a make-or-break moment. The stakes are very, very high. They have been pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into this industry. And if people don't like the meat, then there's a big question of what was it all for? And not just for Upside, but for the whole industry at large. I think everyone is watching what is happening here and waiting to see what is the demand like? Are people just trying it out of a curiosity? Or do people really believe in it and think it's delicious and that once the cost comes down, people will actually buy it? A recent AP poll looking at attitudes towards cultivated meat found that fully one half of respondents say they're not interested in trying it at all. What's holding them back? Well, the number one concern people stated is that the whole thing sounds just too weird. It's a challenge that the industry does acknowledge. Like any new technology, it can be a little bit unfamiliar and a little bit scary. Upside Foods Chief Operating Officer Amy Chen. So what we've been really focused on for the last couple of years is doing education, just making sure that we're answering people's questions. Where do the cells come from? How do you grow them? What do you feed them? One of the biggest hurdles for this technology to get over? 
the term itself that many now use to describe it, lab-grown meat. You'll recall the industry prefers the term cultivated meat. Yeah, whenever I hear lab-grown, I cringe first. <laughs> lab-grown conjures up lab coats and science fiction and science fair projects and petri dishes, none of which are really representative of the progress of the industry. To help get past their lab-grown image issue, Upside has been opening up their Emeryville facility for tours and also putting out glossy explainer videos. The control center is the brain of the cultivation room. In this space, we constantly monitor our meat production to ensure our cells have the perfect environment to grow and multiply. And then there's Upside's biggest step out onto the public stage yet, the tastings at Bar Cren. There's actually been a series of tastings that have been taking place monthly since July. So back to my meal with Soleil. Ooh, yum. Throughout that dinner, we had some company. None other than Dominique Crenn herself, again, chef and owner. She stopped by her table to chat about the promise of this technology. Cheers. I am excited to be able to welcome people that are willing to try it and to start the conversation. The partnership between Crenn and Upside is a natural fit. In 2018, Crenn took meat off all of her restaurant menus because of the environmental concerns. I understand this is not sustainable, you know? The dairy farm is not sustainable. The factory farming is not sustainable. Kren has been lending her considerable talents to help figure out how to make cultivated chicken taste good, experimenting with various recipes at Upside's test kitchen. As she discussed with Soleil, this meat does handle a bit differently from traditional chicken. When you cook it, does any fat release from the cut? or No, I just literally, you know, I put it in the batter and fry it and that's it. So there's nothing like kind of in there. Clearly, an awful lot of hard work and thought has gone into our dinner this evening. To hear Kren tell it, though, she's motivated by the same sense of optimism that seems to be driving the cultivated meat industry itself. I think there is a future in this because if you if you do the right thing and you put it on maybe with some sauces and all that, I think it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And you're not killing a chicken. While cultured meat is being prepared and served at Bar Cren, it's not quite mission accomplished yet for the industry. Food and wine editor Janelle Bicker will explain why. And finally, the verdict of the tasting. What does cultured meat actually taste like? All of this and more from Fifth Emission producer Keith Manconi after the break. Lab-grown meat is being sold as a technology that could slash the greenhouse gas emissions of the meat industry. How much of an impact could it make? Food and wine editor Janelle Bitker says it's still not clear. There have been a few studies, but because lab-grown meat hasn't been a thing yet, a lot of them are speculative. But there have been some studies that paint a little bit of doubt. I think there is a new UC Davis study that was a big talker in particular, and it hasn't been peer-reviewed yet, but it found that the industry may be up to 25 times less climate-friendly than traditional beef. Wow. Yeah, that's alarming. So that is running way in the other direction of where this industry is hoping to go. 
what is driving those numbers so high? Why would it take so much resources to produce these cultured meat cells? So the main issue is the ingredients. Mm. As it stands now, the things like amino acids, the nutrients that are being fed to the cells, those are pharmaceutical grade ingredients. So they're very limited Mm. and they're expensive. Does that mean Um, that they're more pure? It means that they have to be super, super pure. Ah, okay. (laughs) So people in the industry who don't like this study will point out that they're all working toward food grade alternatives and that they know in order to be environmentally more friendly, but also to bring the cost down, that they have to have these food grade alternatives and that it's going to happen. So with the difference that we're really talking about is when you're feeding a cow cow feed, that only needs to be good enough to keep a cow happy. But when we're feeding these cells, they're a lot more picky. And so the inputs are more expensive, ultimately. Yeah. Some of these ingredients are vitamins, amino acids, glucose. There's also the cells and the cell lines are very hard to procure. So, I mean, these are rare, expensive ingredients that you find in a lab and with a cow, you can feed them corn. There's another major challenge for this technology, and that is how expensive it is to produce a pound of this lab-grown meat. What do we know at this point about how much it costs these companies to turn this stuff out? Companies are fairly secretive about Mm. this, so we don't know for sure. I do remember before the pandemic learning that Eat Just slash The Good Meat Company, when they were testing their chicken nugget, that one nugget cost $1,000. Right. uh, Good Meat, again, that's the other cultivated meat company in the Bay Area. And uh, (laughs) wow. uh, So did you try that nugget? I did try it. Most expensive bite of food I've ever had by far. (laughs) But They did bring the price down dramatically. At one point, I remember hearing it was a $50 nugget. And I'm not sure what it costs now. Mm. One of their spokespeople said that they expect the price could fall below conventional chicken by the end of 2029. Okay. So that sounds pretty fast, all things considered. Okay, so we're seeing that curve come down, but really it needs to become competitive with a traditional cut of meat for average consumers to want to buy this, for this to be anything other than a novelty. Absolutely. I have talked to CEOs at these companies and they are very clear eyed about this. If it's more expensive than the conventional meat, people aren't going to buy it. It's not going to make a meaningful dent in anything. And there are some big challenges there. We talked about ingredients. There's also the issue of the facilities. According to the Good Food Institute, there's only 18 of these facilities worldwide that are ready to operate. And again, to reach any meaningful commercial scale, there are going to need to be many more of these breweries. So what should we expect to happen next then? Uh, As a quick point of reference, Impossible Foods has had its vegan Impossible Burger on the menu at Burger King for four years now. Is that essentially the goal for these cultivated meat companies? 
Well, one of my colleagues spoke to an expert who said the most likely scenario is for lab-grown meat to be this very special, expensive product like caviar. You will only see it on fine dining tasting menus. But companies certainly don't want that. And they're hoping to follow the path that Impossible Foods took, which was starting with these high-end chefs, fancy restaurants, then growing to more casual restaurants, then ultimately fast food and grocery stores. And for Impossible, that took about three years. So the optimistic scenario is we're still several years out from this getting on to grocery store shelves. The less optimistic outlook is that maybe this technology just doesn't scale in the way that these companies are hoping. Yes, I would agree with that. For now, cultivated meat can only be tasted at exclusive settings like Bar Kren. Thank you very much. And that brings us back to my dinner with Soleil Ho. And finally, our first bite of lab-grown chicken. It's surprisingly firm. It almost tastes like um, wheat gluten. Yeah. You know, like the um, Chinese sort of um, seitan sort of mock duck. It has that texture. Remember... Sitting right next to us for all of this was Chef Kren, hanging on Soleil's every word. I think I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more moist to, like, evoke fried chicken, yeah. like, on the bone, which is, like, not a fair comparison, I think, because there's no bone. This is, yeah, this is definitely something that it, it could be, yeah. Because it has a bit, like, there's a toughness to it. Not an unpleasant toughness, but just, like, it's on that end of the spectrum that I'm picking up. But the flavor's good good start outside food. <laughs> it is a good start. Good start. The review from the chef herself. What's my review? Well, I liked my tray of lab-grown nuggets. They did taste like chicken. If the price came down, and if it were more environmentally friendly than factory farming, I could totally imagine heating up a skillet of this stuff after a long day's work, seasoning it a bit, and chowing down probably wouldn't even think too much about where it came from. Soleil, as you may have picked up on, feels differently. We got a chance to check in again in studio. So the lab-grown chicken was... I mean, okay. So this weekend, I also ate chicken in a separate occasion. It was frozen, and I had defrosted it in the microwave very hastily. And it was really tough and a bit stringy because I just didn't have anything else in the fridge. And that's what that chicken tasted like. So it wasn't, it didn't taste like high-end chicken, but chicken nonetheless. Right. I mean, when you eat a really good piece of fried chicken, it's moist, right? It falls off the bone. It is like, there's some plushness to the texture that is really refreshing and pleasant. And that's not what was present with that dish. Not to say, right, that there was anything wrong with what happened in the kitchen, but I think it was very much the product. When I was there, I took the piece of chicken, I really dissected it, and I was looking to figure out like what was going on with this thing that was grown in a bioreactor that I was being asked to eat. And I was just struck by how uncanny and unnatural the texture was, right? <laughs> There's no muscle shape. It just sort of is like a mozzarella stick in a way, where all the fibers are going the same direction and they're all the same length. And that was a little bit 
disturbing. Mm. So you almost want that complexity and chaos of nature. It's almost too perfect in a way to seem real. If I'm eating meat, yes, that is what I expect. If I'm eating, you know, a potato chip, no. Lab-grown chicken is more like a Pringle, maybe, than like a chip sliced from a potato. It's it's just an imitation. It's a facsimile. It's this fantasy of chicken in a world where you can just get chicken. Ultimately, Soleil says, environmental benefits or no, lab-grown chicken will likely never find a place in their regular shopping routine. This product is so highly processed I would just opt out based on that. I just don't understand why I would pay, you know, potentially, right, 30 to $40 per pound for this product when beans are right there. One final question we're going to tackle before we go. What are we to make of the cultivated meat industry's lofty ambitions and soaring rhetoric? For one more taste of that, here's Upside's Amy Chen. It's really exciting for me as someone who loves business and believes deeply in the ability of business to help change the world, that every single choice that we make as consumers, every bite, if you will, can be a choice for a better future. I think that's a deeply optimistic, very exciting prospect. Soleil, meantime, vehemently disagrees with that sentiment. The fact that we are just remaking chicken in its blandest iteration pretty much swapping out one input for another input that's genetically identical and won't need anyone to change their lives or change their value systems or change their relationship to nature, I think is really sad. And it betrays a lack of imagination. And it's all connected, I think, to this idea that we don't have to give up anything to make the world better. But that's just not true. It can't be true. It doesn't make any sense to me. Of course, though, people eat a lot of meat. So if lab-grown meat works out, you know, if we have the technology, doesn't it make sense to use it? I don't know. I mean, will it make life better? And we should ask that of every technology. We should really just be critical of it and not just assume that because it's a technological fix that it's going to be inherently better. I very much believe that. So you're just hoping that uh, humanity will be a little bit more ambitious? Yes. Yes. And more imaginative, please. This episode was written, produced, and mixed by Keith Manconi and was edited by myself and Sarah Feldberg. If you'd like to learn more about the cultivated meat industry, find stories by food reporter Mario Cortez and columnist Alejo online at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Thanks for listening.